This is No Halos Here, hosted by Jen Lang and Jane Stark, the place to inspire a change in your consciousness to elevate the world. We're two heart-centered business owners nourishing our inner rebels while growing our respective businesses. No Halos Here is the result of bringing together an opera singer turned spiritual mentor and a marketing professional turned well-being coach to meditate daily. Together, we unite physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual energies into a powerful presence to lead, heal, and inspire. We love exploring the shadowed edges of life, the universe, and beyond through honest and thought-provoking conversations. Let's dive in. Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of No Halos Here with Jen Lang and Jane Stark. Today, you have me, Jen, talking about a really interesting, to me at least, um, experience of untangling my self-worth from my net worth. And recently, sort of in August, about a month ago, it was pointed out to me in a support call that I was confusing my self-worth with my net worth. And I was basing my value and belief in myself on what I was earning, rather than allowing my self-worth and my individuality, my gifts to stand as valuable in their own right. And in business, I think this is more common than we think. And I've, I've done a ton of work around money, uh, my money stories, untangling my conditioning around money. So it was definitely, I would say, surprising and humbling to have this pointed out again, and to know that there's always another layer to peel back. And there's always patterns around money, self-worth, conditioning that we have that are ready to be untangled. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about a little bit about my story without giving too many details, but also, you know, how this came about and how you can start to investigate and uncover in your own life where you may connect, be connecting your self-worth or confusing your self-worth with your net worth. So let's go into a couple of different points here. So we know that in society in general, left definitely in Western society, we put forward the notion that you have, if you have lots of money, you're worth something, quote, air quotes, you're worth something. And this is put forward in cartoons, it's put forward in social media, and it's put, you know, would anybody really pay attention to the Kardashians if they were poor? not really sure. I mean, it does make good TV, but the fact that the they're wealthy along with the um, drama that their family ensues uh, or creates is makes for good entertainment. So then we have this entertainment factor built into the self-worth and the net worth piece. In our own lives, I think that coming out of sort of mid 20th century, there's that whole expression of keeping up with the Joneses, where you are um, living beyond your means in order to put forward an image that you have more money than you actually do. And that if you are not earning as much money, or you're hiding, you know, tremendous amounts of debt, or for whatever reason, you know, you're not um, bringing in income as much as you used to be, then you will be rejected by society. So there's definitely something very primal about being rejected and not being accepted by society for not having enough money. And therefore, it's much easier to tie your self-worth and your net worth together. So 
untangling money stories and conditioning is definitely an ongoing process. And I want to go into a little bit of that where if you're in business for yourself, I think it just goes hand in hand with being in business, untangling, especially if you're a woman in business, because there's so much, um, there's so much gender related stuff around money. And I don't mean it to be as black and white as like men have a different experience than women. But because women didn't earn the same way that men did for several hundreds of years, or it was, it was a great exception if they did, uh, women just don't have the, they're not, they don't give themselves the permission or unless they've had, you know, different upbringings, because there are definitely are exceptions to that rule. They don't get themselves permission to earn what they think they're worth or what they're actually worth. And at the same time, you know, I'm not saying this doesn't happen to men, but it happens to women disproportionately more. And if you are, if you do not define, um, if you do not, if you're sort of gender fluid, then I'd say that is even more of a, uh, not trap isn't quite the right word, but if you're gender fluid or you don't fall into that sort of, if you're non-binary, that's the word I'm looking for. I'm like, if you're non-binary or gender fluid, then chances are you maybe haven't even touched on this because there have been so many other aspects of self and self-worth to dive into. So I invite you to look at the way your self-worth and your net worth might be in, intertwined. And it's definitely a uh, it can be confronting. So when this was pointed out to me on the call, I was on the support call that I was on a month ago. I was going through a process where I didn't feel, um, I was frustrated by my inability to earn as much money as my husband and to quote unquote contribute equally to our household. And I saw it was pointed out to me gently and lovingly that I contribute in pardon me, in different ways to the household. And that it's not just, I don't just bring monetary value to our household and to our relationship. I bring other values and other qualities. So I started to reflect on that and look at what do I bring? We don't have children, so I definitely um, don't take, you know, a primary caregiver role when it comes to children. We do have two dogs, but my husband and I, I would say care for them equally. You know, I usually do the morning walk. He does the afternoon. We, you know, we take turns. We take care of them for each other if one of them, one of us is away. So those aspects weren't really bothering me too much. But it's more that my own frustration of my, my own perceived lack of or inability to bring more money into our household. And that I was connecting that to my own personal value. And that I'm not worth anything if I'm not bringing more money into our household. <sighs> that was a really big realization. And having that gently pointed out, you know, of course I cried. Um, I thought I had moved past all this with some of the money work that I'd already done. And it just goes to show that this money process and untangling our money stories and our conditioning around money and wealth really go quite deep and it's just layers at a time and more layers at a time that we need to look at. Now, if we look at other aspects of society and 
how we receive these money messages. I want to dive into that a little bit. I've already talked about that expression, keeping up with the Joneses. And there's, I sort of invite you to look at the way that money and wealth are represented in both the media or where money is vilified as well being wealthy. If you look at some cartoon characters, um, Cruella de Vil, for example, the wealthy puppy killer or puppy Caesar, puppy, puppy thief, or you look at, you know, money is vilified. And at the same time, um, it's worshiped. So but wealthy women in particular, are not necessarily um, embraced. So there is that struggle of, okay, we make all this money and then we don't appreciate ourselves for bringing this money in, whether it's high or low, and that's connected to our self-worth. And then we don't allow ourselves to make that money because if we, quote unquote, get too rich, then we might perceive, be perceived as a rich bitch. So there's so many layers to this, um, some great resources to start to dive into some of these money stories, especially if you're a woman in business, um, is sort of, uh, Denise Duffield Thomas's work, get rich, lucky bitch, or I think her most recent book is called chillpreneur. And it's definitely about women in business and the ease and flow in business, but get rich, lucky bitch is when she first talks about uh, this money story. Some other great resources to start to untangle your money stories would include um, Miriam Castilla's program, Magnetic Money. And in it, we look at the energy of money and the energy of untangling that from your personal identity. So yeah, so much, so much, um, I don't know, so many details to uncover in this world. Okay, so this is a bit free flow because I don't have a lot of points on this, like written out. I have some, I have some notes, but I don't have them in point form. So sometimes when we tie self-worth and net worth is we don't really have our ability or we don't have an ability to see value in what we bring to the world when it's not linked to money. So for example, your presence, that whole expression, you are enough. Do you really believe that? And if you start to untangle it with that self-worth net worth piece, do you really, truly, honestly, deeply in your core of your being believe that you are enough? I would question that deeply. I might depend on the day, of course. But this pattern of we can tell ourselves that you are enough, but it's in the patterns of behavior and your patterns of um, spending or not spending, earning or not earning, that that expression really can start to be untangled or, or peeled back. So, you know, you are enough. Do you believe that? Good question. Good place to start. The other, another facet or a way to explore this is uh, what are your spending habits like? So when you go to a retail store, whether it's clothing or books or even groceries, setting aside your specific financial needs, because that's also tied in, do you head straight to the sale rack? Or if you see something and it's full price, do you um, not hesitate to buy it? 
And this is an interesting pattern. I've witnessed myself still going to the sales rack because I, you know, everyone loves a good deal. So that's another facet to the self-worth net worth piece. Um, are you a bargain? And when you're a woman in business, do you always discount your rates? So then you are discounting, if you're, especially if your self-worth and net worth are tied together and you haven't done much untangling work, then you are discounting your own value um, through the tool of money. So there's just so many ways to think about this. The patterns of self-worth and net worth disproportionately affect women. And this is throughout society. And we talk about, you know, you can look at the wage earning gap or the gender parity gap, where women in Canada earn between 85 and 90 cents to every dollar that a man makes for equivalent work. In other countries, it's higher. In many other countries, it's lower. But that doesn't change the fact that women earn less than men for the same more equally valued work. Now, what is it at its core is how do you value the work? So traditionally, the fields that women worked in are lower paying. They're childcare, they're nursing, they're, I'm not saying that men don't work in these fields now, but when these fields first came forward in the 20th century, they were paid less. How much did you, if you were, if you were a babysitter, how much did you earn as a babysitter? Versus, you know, if you were given the opportunity to um, get your start in some construction work, how much were you paid in construction work. I remember this, actually, this is a really interesting story. When I was in my oh, late teens, early 20s, I got a job, a summer job at the student union building um, at UVic um, in the kitchens, flipping burgers. So I worked there and then I also was offered some summer work um, working as a fill-in emergency hire at a concrete plant. And I was, you know, so my Flipping burgers job was paid me, I don't know, like $11 an hour. I think at the time was actually it was less. It was like it was $8 an hour. At the time, the minimum wage was maybe five or six. And the concrete job paid me $22 an hour. And which was, you know, was easily four times, almost four times what I was making flipping burgers. So I was one of only, I was the only woman on this team of new hires, this emergency hires coming in to do, it's manual labor, it's physical labor. And I was capable, I was young, I was energetic. And so I worked there for two weeks. Uh, At the time, I got my largest paycheck I'd ever earned after doing this two weeks of work. And in this experience, you know, I was doing, I was moving tires, I was shoveling dirt, I was sweeping um, this huge raw materials shed that was probably like half a kilometer long. That was like an all day job sweeping up the dust from the shed. And what it taught me was, yes, those manual labor, simple, like simple, easy jobs. A couple of weeks after I finished that job, I ran into one of my sister's friends, a guy who had also worked there. And he was hired for the same job, not at the same time as me. He'd worked there the previous year. And he's like, oh, yeah, he's like, I used to take that job and I would just go up to this corner and sleep. I got paid to sleep. And I was like, what? Like, how dare you? Where I was like, I was excited to earn $22 an hour. And 
I worked and I remember one of the foremen driving by to tell me that my work day was over. He came by like, I don't know, 4.30 and he's like, man, he's like, you work so hard. He's like, your output is double what most of the guys we hire do. And looking back now, reflecting as I'm telling the story, it's definitely... I had to prove myself. And I think a lot of women have to go into the workplace, especially in corporate. There is this level of proving that has to happen and that our self-worth is connected to those jobs. So whether you're self-employed or not, there is this proofing and level of proving to oneself as well as to one's employer that you're worth keeping on and you're worth hiring. So this is where the net worth self-worth piece really starts to take root. This process of untangling self-worth and net worth is ongoing. And, you know, reflecting on that concrete plant story, I know I have some journaling to do around that where I felt resentful that I had worked twice as hard because I felt I needed to prove myself. And I was also resentful that my sister's friend who had worked there slept on the job and got paid the same amount as me to basically sit around and sleep. And there is that hard work ethic piece that comes in. I think we've, you know, a lot of us in sort of the 35 to 50 age range have grown up with that messaging around the hard work pays off and that your self-worth is related to this hard work and then you'll earn more money. But what the counterpoint to that expression might be work smarter, not harder. And when you start to untangle your self-worth and your net worth, you can begin to work smarter and not harder. There's so many other facets to this topic that I want to dive into, but I actually really want to dive into it again with Jane. However, I wanted to pop in here and share some of this with you so that you can start your own process and start to dive into and peel back your own layers around, are you connecting your self-worth and your net worth? And you might not even see it right now. You might be like, no, I'm totally good. Or I might have peaked a little question in your mind going, huh. So here's a few guiding questions for you to start to start this method of inquiry. And so I already referred to the sales racks in the retail store. So do you head straight for that sales rack? And if you do, why? Ask yourself, why do you do that? Is it a habit? Did you see your parents do it? And do you feel that you don't deserve something new and full price? Or is it that we're so trained to go for the bargain and go for the cheap stuff? So is that connected to your self-worth? Do you feel that you're a bargain? Just a question. And then another question to dive into would be, if you're in an intimate relationship, do you feel unequal because you don't earn the same amount as that person? So maybe you earn more or maybe you earn less. And the counterpoint is also true. If you earn more, do you feel bad because you earn more? Or do you feel not enough because you don't earn as much as your intimate partner? So these are some questions to start to dive into. I'd love to hear from you if you have your own stories around realizing self-worth and net worth. Um, approach it with curiosity and compassion. We can't all, we can't be all things to all people. And if you are, 
you know, do you see the wealth that you already have? And how do you feel about it? That's probably another good question to dive into. Do you see how your life is worth more than the balance of your bank account? Some people are very money focused and that gives them peace of mind. But are there other ways that your life is rich that you can connect more deeply to self-worth through values, through your own values, through your own integrity? Anyway, I'm going to leave it there. These are some questions to dive into. I'm wishing you all a really fantastic week, a day ahead. It's September here, so we're coming into this new year, this new season. The school year is beginning here in um, in Canada. And what sort of new perspectives can you bring to your perspective of self-worth and net worth? Have an amazing day. We'll catch you again soon. Take care. Thanks for joining us for these conscious combos. If you're ready to dive deeper, head on over to wearejenandjane.com to continue the conversation. If you love this episode, please take a moment to share it with your friends or your network and leave us a review by going to Apple Podcasts. Find us on Instagram at wearejenandjane and let us know what you enjoy and what you would like to see more of. We'd love to hear from you.